Welcome back, everybody. This is Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. We are about to get into our 20 million movement Bible study. 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. I've been waiting for this passage kind of ever since we started Isaiah. It's going to be exciting. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Pull up a new quiz. Let's just just bear with me here. Let me see if we can uh, challenge the producer on this one. She's kind of scared all of a sudden. Put her on the spot. Yeah, so I'm going to give a few clues here. Uh, let me go to this particular slide maybe. Where did I do it? I did this quiz. You've set this ago. up, haven't you? I have. You totally look dastardly right now. <laughs> totally set this one up. If you had an old 1920s timey moustache, you'd be okay, twizzling so it. This is a who am I? You're all, re- you're all ready? Ready to go. You're ready to go? Good, good. Uh, the numbers are? Get ready to call them. I'm going to give a whole bunch of, I'm going to give a whole slew of clues right now. Are you going all, for, all at once? I'm going to give a whole slew. I'll give the numbers first so people can be ready. So it's 1-800-324-843 or text through or call the mobile 0491-064-669. And what's our prize? Our pro- uh, next prize. Oh, we have to get another one, don't we? Okay, so gonna, while, while you're looking up a new prize, yeah. I'm going to give out a couple of clues, some things you can think about. Okay, so who am I? This person was born of royal lineage. Okay, there's your first clue. They were born of royal lineage. Yep. This, the second clue is that their destiny and their identity was revealed to the king by the Magi. Okay. All right. So the uh, next clue is, and uh, producer Shell's been cheating. <laughs> um, this particular person, so who am I, was hunted by that despotic king at the time of his birth. Mm-hmm. So who is this person? Born of royal lineage, destiny, identity, identify, exposed to the king by the Magi, hunted by that despotic king at the time of his birth. And thought to have been killed. Well, I think I know the answer. Okay, this person was raised in exile in a foreign land. I'm pretty sure I know the answer. <laughs> raised by parents. <laughs> by Sorry, raised by peasants, not parents, peasants. <laughs> yes, parents, but peasants. <laughs> uh, discovers his true identity as a lad. You think you know the answer? I do, but I'm not going to say. Wait, 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 wait! wait. I don't see the, I don't see the, I don't see the phone ringing yet. Why is the phone not ringing? I told you it's going to give you a whole slew of a whole slew of uh, of quizzes. Come on, guys! All at once. There's no waiting here. It's all on the table. It's all on the table. What was our prize again? Uh, we're going with a book which is called "Live More Happy: Scientifically Proven Ways to Lift Your Mood and Lift Your Life" by Darren Morton. Okay. Uh, in the Bible, this person is called. Come with some more clues. The phone's ringing, but this, this person is called the shepherd. This person is also called the Messiah. Uh, oh, we've got one, one here, uh, an incorrect answer for bragging rights. Um, yeah, Daniel's on the money. <laughs> Daniel's on the money. Okay, so somebody just texted through for bragging rights and got the answer wrong. The Bible calls this person the shepherd. The Bible calls this person the Messiah. And this person is known as, in the Bible, the deliverer. You, you're just being cheeky. I am being so <laughs> cheeky here this morning. But I'm being cheeky for a reason, for a 
up to, to make a point. 100%. I don't know yes. exactly what that point is. <laughs> <laughs> That's because you've been studying the Bible study. You know where this study's going. Do we have uh, – oh, oh, okay, phone call got it wrong too. Phone call got it wrong. Well, if you know the answer to all of these, all of these big slew of clues that I've just given right here. It's not the obvious person you're thinking of. Okay, so we had uh, the person answered uh, on, on my message here. Uh, the answer was Jesus, and that's incorrect. That is the incorrect person that I'm mentioning. There is somebody else who this, whom this fits. Who else might all of these identifying characteristics fit? It's a lot, isn't there? In the Bible. It is. A lot of parallels. Very, very clearly a type of... Or symbol <laughs> of Jesus. So the, the, yeah, the phone's just, I can see text messages coming through. I can see phone calls coming through. Everybody is beside themselves. This is amazing. I'm having so much fun. This is the first time I've ever got to do the quiz myself. We, we kind of need an answer before we get into our, our study. Well, yeah, we kind of do, don't we? Okay, so let's do text messages. We did have some come through. Let me just see what had... Okay, talking about the Facebook issue. It is sad that we the people take so much from Facebook. Mm. And the like isn't... From Facebook and the like, isn't time that all of us started to turn our backs on them, even before the government has enough of their draconian use of their imaginary power, that only we the people, the world, have given them by being too lazy. Wow, go for it. <laughs> Great rant right here. Uh, by, by being too lazy or not knowing what to do. If we all go somewhere else in mass or just stop using them, they would get the message very quickly. Well, I kind of think that's exactly what happened. There was, a which is why they are suddenly now coming back and like, oh, we'll negotiate now. We'll negotiate. Something similar happened in the states with that uh, parlor platform, and so they went from people were getting conservatives were being censored on Facebook, so they jumped so they across to parlor, and then so the tech Google, company shut down. Google deregistered parlor. Yeah. Interesting how they collaborate together on this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and just the final point here: they are nothing without us. Amen. All of the, all of the power that we that Facebook has is we give it to them. Power that has been in the given sense to that us. we sort of, in a way, submit to what they allow and what they don't, which is frustrating. So we had another 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 attempt here for bragging rights with Moses, which is also incorrect. <sighs> when you first started, that's where I thought you were going with it. And then uh-huh. as, you, as you continued, I'm like, oh, no, I can see, <laughs> see where this one's going. <laughs> oh, we've got three for Moses. Okay, we've got three for Moses. It is not Moses. Moses is the incorrect answer. So I've run through this again. Born of royal lineage, destiny and identity exposed to the king by the Magi. Hunted by the despotic king at his birth, thought to have been killed, raised in exile in a foreign land, raised by peasants, discovered his true identity as a lad, called the shepherd, called the Messiah, and known as the Deliverer in the Bible. See, Moses wasn't raised by peasants, was he? Well, actually he was. He was taken into the king's he court. He was raised by peasants and then as a young lad... Uh, okay, further, I'll see further raised by royalty. You see, that's, that's one that threw me off because I'm like, well, no, he was in he was in the circumstance of royalty because he was taken in by the king's daughter. This is an interesting... Um, side note that I discovered the other day while, this, while doing some study on the history of children... Is that having peasants raise your children was not actually that uncommon in the ancient world. Uh, this was a time period in which the mortality rate for children was, you know, 80, 90%. And so 
people couldn't couldn't really emotionally survive the level of loss that they had to deal with. And so one of the mechanisms that they came up with to deal with that level of loss was to get rid of their kids. And so when you have children, you farm them out to a wet nurse, you pass them off to peasants, you let peasants raise them until they are, you know, 8, 9, 10, 12 years old and you know that they're actually going to survive it to adulthood and then you can build an emotional connection with those kids. But, of course, you know, in countries that were without the um, guidance of God, by the time they hit puberty, they would be married off and be having children of their own and the cycle of brokenness would just continue. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. I know it's different circumstances, but I couldn't even imagine that situation. I love my children so much. I love watching them grow and develop and learn and to have the capacity to give them away for 12, 13 years and then try and integrate them back into your life and become this. Build a connection. Oh, it'd be a nightmare. Imagine the emotional damage that that does to children. Imagine the emotional damage that then is passed on to the entire society. It's just mind-boggling how damaged and traumatised a society would become just from that one thing. Yeah. I dated a girl who was adopted. She didn't realise she was adopted. She thought her mother, her it was her auntie actually, raised her and she thought that was her mother and it wasn't until she was 18 that she was told, no, you're actually adopted, my sister is your mother. And she had this complete breakdown over it, hated her parents that parents that raised her and really rebelled, and they raised her in a um, I think Catholic-based household. And the, the way that she took all of that on board and then feel like she was lied to, having been pushed all this truth and love of God on her entire life and then finding out her life's been this massive lie, completely rebelled against it and turned away from it all. And that damage, like she was in her 40s, that damage was still present all the way then, 20 years later. It was still something that she hung her hat on. And imagine an entire society like that. Yep. This is this is what the ancient world was a brutal place, and we often uh, skip over just how rough of a place it it was. Well, we talked about this this morning off air, where the Bible has such a rich history, and there's so many amazing things going on, and people go and read fantasy books to escape reality. I'm like, reality is so much more interesting. <laughs> yes, history if you study if you, if you study history, um, it will make fantasy and fiction tame. Boring. It will, it will destroy it for you. It will absolutely destroy it for you. And this story here today is a prime example of it. Let's, let's read some, some verses here. We're going to have to get into our Bible study. We let's can't hold it. out on this quiz forever. Um, and our quiz will be answered as we work our way through the Bible study. Um, we've got... Uh, That'll make an easy prize, won't it? Okay, so we've got just listening to our... Uh, oh, we've got four for bragging rights or four correct answers for bragging We have four correct answers for bragging rights. Well done. Okay, so we've got another one here for bragging rights, which is David, which has come through, uh, which is also incorrect. Um, so, so I sort of went there when it was he was pursued by the king because you got okay. Saul chasing David and then when you kept going, I'm like, no, no, it's clear It's clear where you're going. And what are the other – okay, so would we have any other names of attempts? So we've got Moses, David, any correct names? Jesus was the first Jesus one. was yeah. obviously the first one because that's the one I tried to make it sound like as much as possible <laughs> for the purpose of making a point. 
Okay, so we, we, we continue on. Born of royal lineage, destiny, identity, exposed to the king by the magi, hunted by the despotic king at birth, thought to have been killed, raised in exile in a foreign land, raised by peasants, discovered true identity as a lad, called the shepherd, called the Messiah, known as the deliverer in the Bible. Who could this be? Isaiah 44. Start for us in verse 26, please, Daniel. Okay, Isaiah 44 and verse 26. And the Bible says, But I carry out the predictions of my prophets. By them I say to Jerusalem, People will live here again. And to the towns of Judah, You will be rebuilt. I will restore all your ruins. When I speak to the rivers and say, Dry up, they will be dry. When I say of Cyrus, He is my shepherd, He will certainly do as I say. He will command, Rebuild Jerusalem. He will say, Restore the temple. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this. So you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of my of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. I am the Lord. There is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. I am the Lord and there is no other. I create the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Some interesting uh, prophecy right here and some interesting implications that uh, jump through, uh, particularly in that last passage, you know, where the Bible says, I am the Lord, there is no one else, there is no God beside me. Uh, verse 6, that you may know from the rising of the west and from the east, there is none beside me. I am the Lord, there is none else. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. So, Daniel, why does God say that he creates evil? Well, God's created everything. And right. We know that evil and sin is a result of man's fall. Yes. But there are times where... God's people aren't acting the way they need to be. God provides yes. correction. And when you look in the book of Judges, every four mm-hmm. chapters, God says the Israelites did wrong in the eyes of God and he sent such and such to judge them. Or they were given over to the Philistines. They were given over to the Philistines again. <laughs> and he provides these circumstances where they're put into circumstances of captivity and enslavement and all these bad things that are happening to them, so that they can turn to him. They can come to him for the understanding that he is the only thing they need. And in this passage, the Bible talks about God's people being delivered from bondage, even though they're not in bondage, and then be reading this like, what is this talking about? Read it 150 years from now, and they're like, oh, we know exactly what this is talking about. <laughs> it's uh, caught up now. It's caught up now. And that would have been incredibly encouraging for them. Imagine imagine the Jewish people reading this prophecy, you know, when they are in captivity in Babylon. Yep. They would be so excited. There goes the phone again. Someone's going to have another crack at this one. Should be getting closer now. Um, but you, you, you imagine the, um, the excitement they would have when reading this prophecy. Yeah. Because what has happened 
do them has been evil, but at the same time, it has. It's a little bit like when we punish our children, isn't it? Yes, correction, corrective circumstance. It's one of those issues that we face in our world today when we talk about kindness and being kind. There's a difference between kindness and love. Yes. And a lot of people don't recognise this and a lot of people say, oh, you said this on radio, that was unkind. There is a difference between kindness and love. There is, when we discipline our children, that's not kind. Lawful chastisement is a defence to assault. Just putting it out there. So if parents are smacking their children as a part of lawful chastisement, you cannot be charged for assaulting your child. It, it is very interesting to have a, a former police officer here as our co-host on Faith FM and to learn some uh, some little nuances here. I would, I would quite often drop those words. We'd go to a job and the child would be like, my parents hit me. And I'm like, yep, lawful chastisement. Do what your parents say. <laughs> That's fine. It's a defence to an assault. You're okay. And the parents are like, oh, well, wonderful. Thanks. We can actually, we're actually allowed to be parents. Yeah. It was, it was very, very, it was just a beautiful moment because you're able to see these parents wanting to take a circumstance like God provides, some kind of corrective issue where he comes along and prevents people or punishes them in some way as a circumstance of love. Like I quite often say the flood was an act of love and that really gets some people's backs out of joint. But when you look at the big picture of things, these people are living in this horrible circumstance and the, the horrors that were going on at the time, when you read the history of it, mm. what he did was merciful. That's right. But people don't look at it. They go, oh, he's a, a tyrant and he murdered all those women and children. I'm like, what? You have no idea what they were going to grow into. You have no idea. And what they were up to at the time. You have no idea. You haven't even begun to have an idea. People don't know their history. They don't recognize how horrific and how incredibly cruel the ancient world was and how much our world has just been affected by Christianity. The reason that our world looks on the ancient world and when they do study it, they recoil in horror, even when they're atheists, is because the effect that Christianity has had on our world and on them as an individual. They would not recoil in horror in the ancient world if they were atheists back then. Mm. They would shrug their shoulders because that was entirely normalised. That's how it was. That's how it was, and, and that you was, still have parts and, and of the And you world bragged today. about it publicly. Yeah. You would you would say, yes, we took the city and we raped this many women and we murdered this many people, and there was kind of nobody left, and the streets were running with blood, and you know, you would brag about that in the ancient world. Today, it's like you're a war criminal. You've been committing war crimes, and we're going to have punishments. Where does that all come from? Only one place. It all comes from Christianity. And that is the culture of our world today. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Arts, hopefully. Okay, so our quiz. We have a winner. We have a winner. So these were, these were the clues. Born of royal lineage. Destiny, identity exposed to the king by the Magi. Hunted by that despotic king at the time of his birth. Thought to have been killed. Raised in exile in a foreign land. Raised by peasants. Discovered his true identity as a lad in the Bible. Called the shepherd and called the Messiah. And known as the deliverer. The answer is, the correct answer. I think four people got the correct answer. One for the prize. uh, Is Cyrus the Persian. And was, a lot of you are just like, what? Your brain's melting right it now. It was the Messiah clue that would have thrown so many people. Yes. Well, notice what it says uh, right here in Isaiah. Let me read it for you. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28, that says of Cyrus, here's my shepherd, right? 
and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, You shall be built, and to the temple your foundations shall be laid. Thus says the Lord to his anointed. The word there anointed is the word Messiah. Thus says the Lord to his Messiah, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have held to subdue nations before him. Learn your Hebrew, people. <laughs> okay, so let me give you a bit of um, historical background on Cyrus the Persian. At the time of Cyrus, you have the ruling world empire or the dominant world empire is Babylon. Babylon has been locked for several decades in a cold war with an empire of equal size and strength called Media. Media is made up of a whole bunch of different provinces, much like the United States is made up of a whole bunch of different states. One of those provinces within the Median Empire is called Persia. The king of Persia is called a man called Cambyses I. And, of course, the king of the Median Empire, or the emperor, he makes alliances, political alliances, with all of the various states that he rules over and the vassal kings so that they remain maintain their allegiance to him. And most of those alliances will be with marriages to various Median princesses, and so uh, he marries Mandana, uh, one of his daughters, to Cambyses the first, and they have a child by the name of Cyrus. The Magi at the time of the, oh, actually before this child is born, they actually came to um, Astyages, the Median emperor, and said, "You need to watch out for this kid. He's going to grow up, and he's going to take over your whole empire." Wouldn't that be a frightening? So he recalled prophecy? his he recalled his daughter to the capital at Ekbatana, where she gave birth in the capital, and he took the child from her and gave it to his uh, general, a uh, man by the name of Harpagus, and told him to go and take the child out of the city and execute it, then bring it back and show him evidence that the deed had been done. As he was passing out of the city. He bumped into one of his friends, and of course you find this story in, uh, recorded by the Greek historian Herodotus. There is enough of this confirmed in the Bible that we can give credibility to the big picture of what Herodotus, there's a lot of legendary development when you read Herodotus, but the basic facts are confirmed in Scripture. It's beautiful you have that historicity lining up, don't you? Oh, yes, Love absolutely. He meets, he meets an old mate of his who is a shepherd. And taking the life of a child was a bit of a hard thing, so he hands it to this guy and says, you were under my orders. I'm the general. Go and kill this child. Mitridates, the shepherd, he kind of has no choice but to go and kill the child. He gets home with this baby and finds that in his absence, he'd been absent for quite some time, his wife had given birth to a stillborn male child. Swaps the babies over, takes the dead child back, says, here, I've done the deed. Um, everybody seems to be happy. And Cyrus the Persian is raised in exile in a foreign land by peasants as a shepherd. There's That's four, what there's happens. There's four in one, four clues in one straight away. <laughs> now, he was, he was obviously somebody who was a natural leader. Um, raising, raising the prince... When the prince is actually living in your home and you're a peasant, it's kind of a big secret. And big secrets are the kinds of secrets that tend to leak. Oh, yes. Well, to cut a long story short, this one leaked. And when it leaked, everyone was like, wait, what? They took one look at Cyrus and gone, yeah, we can see where he came from. 
<laughs> Spitting image of his parents, about 12 years old at the time. And, uh, uh, yes, under a process that we are unaware of but probably involved terrible things, the story came out as to what had actually happened. Uh, Cyrus, the p- political circumstances had changed. ages couldn't do anything about it. It would make him look really bad at that particular time. And so Cyrus was restored to his parents and continued to grow up in the Persian court. I imagine that general wasn't around for very long after that story broke. Well, actually he was. Oh, really? Yes. This is the bizarre thing because Astyages said, I forgive you. Come over to my place for a meal. We will, um, you know, settle this thing and put it behind us and have forgiveness. I'd be wearing something leather around my neck and very heavy plate armour on my back if that was the case. Well, what happened was that... um, Harbagas and his wife headed over to the emperor's place for a meal. When they left home, the soldiers broke into his home, abducted one of his sons, took him to the palace, butchered him, cooked him, and served him to his parents in the meal. That's the brutality of the ancient world. That's what you were expecting, wasn't it? Yep. And then, of course, at the end of the meal, you know, Astyages asked them how much they enjoyed the food and then proceeded to... Open a platter on which is the head of his son that he'd just eaten. And, you know, this is why I say if if you're into fantasy novels, why? History will make them look boring. Oh, yes. Um, what happened was that Harpagus was obviously incredibly upset by that but not in a position of power to do anything about it and just didn't say a thing, took the remains, buried them, didn't say a thing, until Cyrus rebelled. And Harpagus was the general who was sent to put down the rebellion raised by Cyrus, defected with the entire Median army to the cause of Cyrus, and Cyrus the Persian, in a very short space of time, became the emperor of the Medo-Persian Empire that went on to become the greatest empire the world had ever seen to that date. And that's how it happened. He was also the one who was responsible for delivering Israel. And this is why the Bible calls him the shepherd and the anointed one and the deliverer. We're going to talk more about that tomorrow. The story hasn't finished. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're listening to The Breakfast Show and uh, we've had a winner for our quiz. We're not going to do any more quizzes this morning, so we're going to move right on with... Question of the day. This one is a bit of a hairy one. We've been talking about a bit of violence and uh, we have stuff today. So this this sort of continues in the theme of it. I think it's quite appropriate. So the question is, why is there such unnecessary brutality in the book of Joshua once he defeats the kings that God sends him against? Examples are Joshua 9.29 and Joshua 10.26, where after he kills the kings, he impales them on poles for the rest of the nations to see. This is a very interesting um, question because we often get the question, why does God commit genocide? Why does God, you know, command killing? Why does God tell his people to go out and wipe out other nations and so forth? This question is different because it is, why do they practice mutilation? Yeah, because it's they're, they're dead. That's it. They've done. You've conquered them. What's the benefit of... Carrying Impaling on. Impaling them on a pole yeah. and setting them up outside of the city for everybody to see. That's what their enemies did. 
you know, it's, it's like taking on those practices. Okay, I'm going to disagree with you there. I'm going to say that there is a difference between what Israel did and what the enemies did to begin with. Yeah. And I'm also going to say that the Bible doesn't actually give an answer on this question, but I'm going to put forward a number of different scenarios for you. Um, the difference that you're going to find between what they did and what their enemies did is, first of all, what Joshua does happens on an incredibly limited scale. It's not endemic or systematic um, during the conquest of Canaan. That's the first point. The second point, and when this is the major difference between Israel and their enemies, is that Joshua does this after these people are dead. So he's not, you know, and all of their enemies... Um, they would have captured you alive and they would have done this to you while you were alive and it would have been a very slow and yeah. painful death. As a form of torture as well. As a form of torture. So this is not a form of torture, but it is a form of, you know, post-mortem mutilation. It's defiling a corpse. That's right. And so the question is why? Okay, the first thing that I'm going to observe in these passages is that the Bible doesn't ascribe morality to these actions. And so the Bible is not recording this as being either... Um, something that was commanded by God or something that Joshua just did. Uh, and because of that, we are not able to ascribe morality to it either. The, the second thing that we're going to look at, and this is the concept of uh, logical insanity. So we're going to talk a little bit about the issue of logical insanity. And it's kind of like this. If you have the opportunity to save millions of lives, would you do so? Of course. If you had the opportunity of saving millions of lives but it was going to cost one life, would you do so? All life is precious, but when you look at the uh, look at the numbers, I suppose, yeah. If you had the, okay, so um, now we've agreed on the morality of it, it's just a matter of deciding what's the what limit, the, what's the, limit, what the yeah. numbers are. And so if you had the opportunity of saving millions of lives by taking the life of 100,000 people, would you do so? It's like that. Do you see the point? The quiz with the train, trains going two different tracks. You've got people tied up here and a you know, baby walking here, and you can change the train tracks one way. You've got to determine who do you let the train run over. It's that question of morality. What's more important? And you're doing the same thing here. You say, what is one life worth millions more? when you can think about how much can be achieved by those millions as opposed to that one. Yeah, it's like, it's like the guy who, who comes to a woman and says, would you sleep me, with me for a million dollars? And she's like, yeah. He's like, what about a hundred? She's like, no, what do you think, I'm a whore? Yeah. He's like, well, we've already, established, we've already established what you are. We're just now negotiating on the price. Yep. Um, and so this is, this is what's called logical insanity. And you can see that, uh, and, this is, and this was what was used as an excuse to drop the atomic bomb in the Second World War. They mm. were going to save millions and millions of lives. It was going to cost 100,000 lives, uh, but it would save millions. Yeah, because the further invasions and wars would have continued on afterwards. They needed to make that point. And it would have taken, it would have dragged on for years and it would have been just, you know, it was, it was the world's worst, the war, worst war that the world had ever seen. It's like, we can end this today mm. with 100,000 lives. Slippery slope, isn't it? It's a very slippery slope to walk down. And it's one of those questions that, you know, people used in the ancient world when they looked at the issue of mutilation. Can we save lives by mutilating a dead body and instilling fear? Mm. Interesting ethical questions to delve into. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.